I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and here we go with the Jack Riccardi Show. Hey there, San Antonio. What up? So you have to start the show, right? That's, <laughs> I, think we, I think people say that. Hey there, hey there, Alamo City. You know when when Don Cooper breaks out that music, it just sends me back to the back to the DJ days. You know. Mm, mm. Did we ever really leave them? I don't think so. I still mm. miss talking over like in excess, mm. devil inside. You know what I mean? It was just it was, it was so much fun to. Well, do anytime it. you feel like it, we'll play it for you. All right, I'll, I'll be here. <laughs> I would like to actually. You know what? Someday I would really like to hear you talk up a record. That would be a side of you we don't normally get. I will. Send or are you not in. allowed to do that now in your serious newsman? Oh, oh, no. I take pride in the fact that um, okay. I'm not Les Nessman from WKRP. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you know? We made sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, as I'm sure you can imagine, a lot of things these days uh, really involve people being told how something happened rather than people finding out for themselves how it happened. And I feel like yesterday, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday, it, it, it was happening during our show, this thing with uh, Ron DeSantis and Twitter space is one of those classic moments where you can let people tell you how it went, or you could experience for yourself how it went. And so what I want to do today is play a little bit of it so that you will hear his answers, because... This was supposed to be a big moment for Ron DeSantis, who's announcing he's running for president, and for Elon Musk to sort of to sort of show that Twitter is this platform that can be everything, including the new Fox News. But it was a technical just disaster, and, and I'm, I don't know why. I don't want to get into the weeds on this, but it was per, it was an audio only event. You know, it didn't it didn't involve a lot. I mean. We're biased because we do this every day, but this is not complicated. And for whatever reason, maybe they didn't have the right people in-house. Maybe he needed to go outside the company for somebody that would know the technical bits and pieces of it. Uh, but it, it just was very, very Bush League and, and badly mic'd up and EQ'd. And the, the, we played a little of that yesterday. So... That part was flawed. Elon Musk's part of it, if you will, was flawed. Uh, Ron DeSantis's part of it was not. It was not a disaster for Ron DeSantis. The fact that if, you, if you're giving a speech and the microphone doesn't work, or the speakers don't work, that's not a disaster for you. That's a disaster for whoever's running them or set them up. And what I want you to hear is what he said, because what he said was not a disaster. It wasn't some sort of botched introduction to the country or botched introduction of his candidacy and his ideas. In fact, um, it was visionary. It was clear. The guy is very much in command of his facts and his details. Uh, he has a, a good blend of combativeness with calmness. It was not, um, I must say, it didn't sound like rehearsed answers, but it sounded like stuff that he is very familiar with explaining and talking about. And some of what we play, you'll have heard him say before. Um, but Ron DeSantis, in his own words, not a disaster. The Twitter broadcast, if you will, yes, technically a disaster. 
At one point, he was asked, um, how can we be sure that you will do the things you say you will do? This is that answer, cut number 12. I think even my worst critics in Florida will acknowledge when I tell people I'm going to do something, I don't I don't make promises or say I'm going to do something lightly. I thought it through, uh, and I know that I am going to follow through on what I tell people I'm going to do. So this is one, there will be follow through. Number two, I understand the different leverage points that you would have under Article 2 of the Constitution. I studied that a lot of becoming governor about Florida's Constitution, doing the same thing for the federal Constitution. And you've got to know how to use your leverage uh, to advance what you're trying to accomplish. So, for example, you know, there's leverage that we can use vis a vis Mexico that I think presidents have not been not been willing to, to do, I think sometimes for political uh, purposes. Uh, but I'll look at, okay, what are all the variety of options we can do? Which buttons can I push? And I will do that to be able to bring this issue to a conclusion once and for all. We had Hurricane Ian come through Southwest Florida, Category 4 plus storm, September of 2022. And it did a lot of damage. But one of the things it did, it knocked out a bridge going from the mainland to Pine Island, and it severed the Sanibel Causeway in three different locations. And the local told it's going to take six months to get that stuff repaired. And so they came to me, even though these were not state-owned bridges, and they said, can you help us? And I said, okay, I'll do it. So I got my guys together. I said, listen, no bureaucracy, no red tape, and no excuses. Get it done. We need to open these bridges back. Pine Island Bridge reopened three days later. Sanibel Causeway opened two weeks after that, way, way ahead of schedule, because we wouldn't take no for an answer, and we wanted to make sure we got it done. So for me, it is not a campaign uh, slogan that you get in and then forget about it. I'm As an American citizen, if I wasn't running, this would be an issue that bothers me. That's a good answer, I think. I think that's an answer that people uh, who are not necessarily uh, political or uh, political junkies or news junkies would would understand and like. Uh, by the way, there was a campaign slogan buried in that answer. I don't know if they're going to pick it out or not. No bureaucracy, no red tape, no excuses. I mean, that's I know slogans are not everything, but you got to have one. That that would be a good one. Um, he also did an interview, Governor DeSantis did last night, with Trey Gowdy uh, on Fox. And I want to play some of that as we go through the afternoon today. Uh, he was asked about, and this is something you know I'm, I'm, I go crazy over. He was asked about the fact that Chris Ray is still the director of the FBI. Take a listen to this, cut number six. Very close-up view of the Department of Justice and the FBI. If you become president... Uh, what would you do to change or fix both of those entities? What are you looking for in an attorney general? And would you keep Chris Ray as the director of the FBI? No, I would not keep Chris Ray as director of the FBI. There'd be a new one on day one. I think that's very important. In terms of an attorney general, you need someone that's got a really strong backbone. You need somebody that knows if you're going in there and you're taking care of business, the Washington Post is not going to like you. New York Times is not going to like you. You're going to get attacked by CNN, and you've got to wear that as a badge of honor. You can't try to please polite society, because otherwise you'll just get captured uh, by the institution itself. And I think the DOJ and FBI have lost their way. I think that they've been weaponized against uh, Americans who think like me and you, uh, and I think that they've become very partisan. Part of the reason that's happened, Trey, is because Republican presidents 
have accepted the canard that the DOJ and FBI are, quote, independent. They are not independent agencies. They are part of the executive branch. They answer to the elected president of the United States. So as president, you have a responsibility to be involved in holding those agencies accountable, clearing out people who are not doing the job, and making sure that they're doing the people's business and they're not abusing their authority. For example, if the FBI or DOJ would ever collude with a tech company to try to censor information, everybody involved with that would be fired immediately if I were the president. And right now, I think those agencies have been able to go without any real accountability. And so guess what? When there's no accountability, the bad behavior is going to continue. See, I, I think the difference here is you've got a guy that has the same wrecking ball, uh, you know, mentality as you know who, but actually knows where you have to aim it and won't presume, as I think Trump did, uh, either loyalty or professionalism. In other words, you can't assume or presume that there are people who've made a career in the federal government and now you come in as a drain-the-swamp, anti-establishment figure, and they will, they will help you do that. Okay, I mean, just, just hearing me say that, right, that doesn't sound like it makes any sense. But that's what he did. You can't. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the DeSantis content, because, again, the delivery of it, the, the dissemination of it was a disaster. But the, but the content wasn't. These are very well thought out uh, and concrete answers and specifics. Um, now, I guess predictably, and, and, and it kind of goes against the idea that this was a disaster, uh, President Trump had a meltdown about this whole thing. And I don't know if you've heard this or not, but now he is saying on Truth Social that you should stop watching Laura Ingram on Fox. Uh, because apparently she talked about the polls. I, I, I'm not. A, I, I will say I like Laura Ingram, and this is not about my fandom of Laura Ingram. Uh, I have a real problem when conservatives attack other conservatives. Uh, not that we can't have differences of opinion or differences on on specifics, but there are not enough of us in the media world to be doing this kind of crap. It, it, there just isn't, and it, there is no good reason to make enemies out of people that are mostly your allies. So if you look at who we're up against, if you look at the other party, the Democratic Party in this election, Republicans and conservatives, if I may be so bold as to give them a little advice, you, you guys need to pull together. And not the, the, the problem is not Laura Ingram on Fox. The problem is the propaganda being spewed on the other channels. The, prop, the problem is the propaganda being spewed from the podium at the White House briefing room. The, the problem is the, the, the uh, delivery of brain-dead talking points by a president who doesn't really even know them, but has been sent out there to say them. Laura Ingram's not the problem. On her best or worst day, she's not the problem. The... Um, there was an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal today, speaking to Joe Biden, uh, or it was in yesterday, I should say. But uh, James Freeman, who's a very respectable and, uh, for me, uh, an everyday read kind of columnist, uh, he was basically saying the Biden family is not going to have that money 
taken away from them. The trial of the Biden family is the election. Now, you don't have to get mad at me. I'm just the messenger, but I agree with him. You can be mad about that. You can say, how, what kind of a country do we have? Uh, why is there a two-tiered system of justice, double standard? I, I get it. I get it. Let's not even waste our oxygen because we all know that. This election is the trial. Period. It just is. And so the money they have, they're going to keep. The favors they did are done. The trial of the Biden family is next November. Uh, of course, there were a lot of other uh, reactions from the other, you know, candidates, and, and that's to be expected. Um, you know who else is in the news today? And I just want to say a couple of words quickly about him. We don't talk about him very much, but uh, Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, seems like a he seems like a good guy. I don't I don't think he's a I don't think he's going to be a front runner, but I I, I think he's going to do himself proud, and I think he's a uh, really decent guys got a lot of good things to say. Um, I find it interesting that a lot of the media coverage in places like the Washington Post and MSNBC is about uh, whether he's black enough. And also they're making insinuations about his sexuality. I, I, I'm bringing this up because I just want to make a point. They're, they're hinting that Tim Scott is a virgin, or that he's gay, or, or I guess both. Where they're getting that, I don't know. Why I should care about that, I don't know. But I thought these were the people that were always the allies to the LGBT community. Isn't it interesting how the allies, and they love to call themselves that, and they put it on their on their Facebook profiles, they put little rainbow frames around their picture. Look at me, I'm an ally. Isn't it interesting how the left is the ally, but whenever they want to insult someone, they call him gay. He's probably gay is one of their favorite attack lines. Now, how does that work? If you're an ally, that makes you sound like you're an enemy. You're using it as a pejorative, you're using it as a criticism. Just saying. Uh, Twitter might not have uh, got the job done, but how do you feel about what he was saying and how he was saying it? Talking about that with you right now, and Eddie is on KTSA. Eddie, good afternoon. Hey, Jack. Uh, with respect to the kickoff, I thought, you know, despite the technical problems, I thought the substance of what Santis said last night was, was great and was a, a good start. I think the uh, technical issue will be basically – a non-story in another 24 hours. Uh, the other point, you, you mentioned that uh, you, you're, you don't like conservatives attacking conservatives, and, man, that is music to my ears. I wish I would hear that more often. I saw a video from Trump this morning where he laid into DeSantis, and it was basically saying how bad Florida is and how bad of a job he did on COVID, which you know all the talk today is about, hold on, all, Trump moved to Florida, and so did his entire family. And the mm -hmm. state of Florida opened up around May 5th or May 6th of 2020. So yeah. I, it's bizarre. Yeah, if he's so smart, why does he live in a state that's such a hellhole? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know either. And, I, I, you know, people keep trying to tell me, we talked about it yesterday, Eddie, that, oh, these two are going to team up. Um, I, I, I just don't think so. Um, I, 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 I think whatever line 
couldn't be crossed has long been crossed. And not only do I not think Trump is gracious enough to do that, but I think DeSantis knows that his brand requires him to kind of hold himself apart from, you know, Trump world. It's just not, he wants the voters, of course, but I don't think he wants to, to, to be on a team with Donald Trump. And again, that's recognizing the good things Donald Trump did, but what he's doing now is, is very, very destructive to conservatives making progress. Agree. Agree. Yeah. Eddie, thank you. Thank you for the call. You know, it's important, I think, as a conservative, obviously we live in a very conservative state, you and I, but I think it's important to sing out wherever conservatism is governing and governing well. And Florida is one of those places. You can't say you care about this stuff and ignore the, the Florida story. Just as if you were in Florida, you couldn't ignore Texas. You couldn't ignore states that are governed effectively and efficiently by conservative governors. You know, yesterday in Florida, one school district moved three books from the elementary section of a library to the middle school section. And every news organization ran a story that the books were being banned in the entire state of Florida. This is happening every day. So this is why I say the problem is not Laura Ingram. The problem is not Ron DeSantis. The problem is not Jack Riccardi. He said something you didn't like on Thursday or whatever. There is an ideological and cultural assault on you, on your freedom, on everything that you care about. And in this fight, if you find yourself in a foxhole with somebody you haven't always agreed with or you don't completely agree with, but they're in that foxhole with you, that's a good thing. That means you're not fighting alone. You would think from the media reporting that Ron DeSantis personally flicked his bick and uh, burned this poetry book when, in fact, the book had nothing to do with him and never left the one school library building that made a decision about it. And I'm sure you're not terribly surprised to hear (laughs) that once again, they're not just spinning it or lying about it, they're fabricating stories out of whole cloth. Very few outlets got the story right. And the story was that this book by a poet named Amanda Gorman and a couple of other books were moved to a different section of the library. Maybe not everybody likes that. In fact, it started with somebody not liking Amanda Gorman's book in the elementary school section of the library. So it was moved to the middle school section. It wasn't banned. It wasn't removed. It wasn't burned. Amanda Gorman is not in stocks. I I, I think it's important to note that there are places in the world where they are banning and burning books. But that's not what this is. And maybe we should also make clear that libraries make all kinds of discriminatory decisions about which books to put on the shelf and which books to acquire and which books not to. I go to the library uh, or local library branches around me from time to time. 
Sometimes I find the book I want, sometimes I don't. When I don't, it's either not in their collection or someone else checked it out. I don't immediately think it's been banned or burned. So when you're moving it from one shelf to another and you're making that a national news story, that kind of tells me a lot about Ron DeSantis right there. This isn't even about the book or about Amanda Gorman's poetic skills. This is just about he's worse than Hitler. He has to be stopped. We have to stop him. It would be easier to take them seriously if the people that were reporting on the supposed book ban weren't so intent on censoring us and opinions they don't like. You know, if, if these were anything goes kind of people, that might be one thing. Wouldn't forgive the lying, but you know. But they're not. They're having a complete hysterical breakdown over Twitter. I, I, I heard one liberal commentator say that Twitter has become a mega media empire. All that happened to Twitter was they, the left, lost control over it. Am I to understand that everything they don't completely control then becomes an enemy of democracy? Yes, I am to understand that. That's exactly it. Nailed it, Jack. Here, by the way, is DeSantis talking about book banning and what he's doing about critical race theory in schools. This is um, this one, I think, is from the Twitter feed. Cut number 11. Take a listen to this. The media has been you know, saying you're trying to ban books. You refuse to teach kids about slavery. You want to say that gay people don't exist. What What is the truth of the matter for people who maybe have never heard from you before? Yeah, so the whole book ban thing is a hoax. There's not been a single book banned in the state of Florida. You can go buy or, or use whatever book you want. What we have done is empowered parents with the ability to review the curriculum, to know what books are being used in school, and then to ensure that those books match state standards and are age and developmentally appropriate. So, for example, uh, parents have flagged books in schools that, uh, for example, teach middle school kids how to use sex apps, uh, that provide graphic depictions of sex acts and sex toys for people as young as fifth grade. And so clearly that is not appropriate uh, to be in a middle school classroom. And so parents object and, and the schools take them out. And so nothing's being banned. They're basically ensuring that we make curation choices uh, that are consistent with state standards. And on the, the, the racial history, we eliminated critical race theory from our K-12 through schools. That was the right thing to do. In other words, we're not going to take a kid who comes in um, at six years old and say they're an oppressor or oppressed based on what their race is. That's divisive. That's wrong. We're also not going to be teaching people uh, to hate their country. But what we are going to do is teach the accurate history. So in the same bill that banned critical race theory, we required teaching thoroughly about racial discrimination that occurred in American history. And Florida's history standards require all of those subjects uh, from slavery, reconstruction, segregation, all of that to be taught, uh, and we'll continue to do that. Hmm. See, I think it's important that people hear him, because, again, almost everything you know or think you know is somebody telling you this is what he did or this is what he's like or this is what he wants to do to the country. I want to play more of it as we go along. I want to get your thoughts about the DeSantis announcement and how he is coming across to you. How are you receiving all this? 210-599-5555. Our 
question on the JR poll. Are you glad that he entered the uh, the race? Uh, and um, you know, I, I, again, I would expect you expect in a crowded field of uh, candidates there to be bumping and jostling and checking into the boards and um, the 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 technical technical snafus are ripe for the picking, and I don't blame anybody for picking on him, but um, the substance is there. And these are ideas that we as conservatives recognize and want to hear articulated. I, I feel strongly that we got halfway there with Donald Trump. Donald Trump brought these ideas and this thinking to the forefront of the Republican Party, and he put it in the face of the rhinos and the establishment Republicans and said, look, people want you to deliver. They don't just want you to say you tried. That was huge. That was important. He deserves a lot of credit for that. But we also have to be honest about this. He retained people that worked against him. I don't mean a little. I mean diabolically. He failed to remove and dig deeply enough into the deep state to get at the disloyalty and the sabotage that went on against him and, and is still going on against our country. And, and so you, you, you want to hear someone say, whether it's Donald Trump or somebody else, hey, this time we're going in and we're going to get at the people that undermined what was a well-intentioned effort and a very successful economy until COVID came. This time we're going to surround ourselves with people, whether they're attorneys general or heads of the CDC or the NIH, that give us good advice, that don't tell us to shut down a thriving economy and deprive people of their civil liberties over a virus. This time we're going to get it right. If you want to say, I think Trump learned from that, okay. If, if you want to say, I don't think he can do it, I don't think he got it done, but we need someone who can, is that DeSantis or is it somebody else? 210-599-5555. All right, I want to play this one. This is um, where he's talking about the border with Trey Gowdy, because after the, the Twitter thing, he did a Trey Gowdy interview on Fox. Don, if we could play cut number seven. Legal immigration, illegal immigration, President Ron DeSantis does what? What is your immigration plan for both legal and illegal immigration? Day one, it's a national emergency. We'll mobilize all resources to construct the border wall, shut the border down. We're not going to be entertaining asylum claims for people coming across the border illegally. Uh, we're going to make very clear about that. Uh, we're going to have things like remain in Mexico so we don't have the incentives to come illegally. We do need to hold these Mexican drug cartels accountable, uh, and we'll be looking at levers that we can pull to be able to do that. Uh, at the end of the day, nobody has a right to come to our country illegally. We, the American people, can determine what type of immigration system that we want. I think the purpose of immigration is to benefit our country. And so if people coming illegally does not benefit, which I don't think it is, then we shouldn't do it. Um, I think the legal immigration system needs to be geared, though, towards assimilating people. We used to do a pretty good job of that. Now it's almost like we try to incentivize people to come and not want to assimilate uh, into our country. So we're going to be very strong on the border. Uh, we'll finally get that done and take care of it because Republicans have been asking about this for years and years and years. I can tell you, Trey, when I tell people I'm going to do something, I follow through. I'll use all the levers at my disposal to be able to get it done, and we will finally put this issue to bed once and for all. You know, there were a lot of occasions, I thought, where he could have said Trump's name 
or referenced Trump or said, you know, Trump didn't do this or didn't finish it or said he would do it but didn't get it done. Um, and I think it was a very studied, uh, planned approach or style that he and his people said, we're just not going to say his name. And they didn't. We played that cut done. I think it was, um, we played cut 12. That was the closest I think he came to saying, when he was talking about, I'll do what I say I'll do, he says something in that quote about even my worst critics have to admit that I think that's a, I think he's referring to Donald Trump in that. We're just uh, kind of taking it all in. 210-599-5555 gets you in here, and William is on the radio. William, good evening to you, sir. Good evening, Jack. How you been? I've been well. How have you been? Fantastic. It's a long time since so we real. talked. It has been a minute, that's for sure. But I listen even though I don't have time to call in. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, real quick, I see DeSantis really as a Trump light because he, he says – he really says a lot of the same things. He just says it in a more polished package and wears a nice political suit, which people love voting for politicians. I don't know why, but people really do like voting for politicians. And DeSantis has that aura of him. But he's saying nothing different than what Trump has always said. He's just delivering it in a different package, which may be great. Which may be great. Um, I personally like the brashness of Trump myself, but <laughs> but it's just that's just me. So. I don't think. I mean, that, there's no doubt that Trump is doing something that we've never seen before in, in a way we've never seen before. I, I, I will grant you all that. I, I, I'm not. I don't think anybody would disagree with the idea that you could almost say it's like BC and AD with politics, right? I mean, like <laughs> politics is just the whole thing: running for president, the the people's view of 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 the presidency and government. It's all different because he came on the scene. So I will I will give him all that. I do think they're different, though, William, and I'll tell you very simply why. Trump knew something was wrong and was great at articulating how wrong it was, but he didn't fix it. And he kept people around him who flattered him or had a Diet Coke with him in the Oval Office, but then went out and worked against him very, very diabolically. I get the sense with DeSantis that he is knowledgeable enough about how this thing works that he would not keep a Christopher Ray, he would not keep a William Barr, he would not keep somebody in, in maybe a, a mid-level position or agency who is going to undermine the stuff he promised he would do. Trump didn't fail because he didn't mean it. He failed because he didn't have people around him that he could trust. I, I agree completely with that. He, he, Trump had no idea. He, he knew there was a swamp, but he didn't have any idea how to negotiate through the swamp. And he Do you would, realize he how many people he appointed that had served in the Bush administration? And what the hell did he think was going to happen? I mean, they weren't going to they weren't going to help him. They weren't going to cooperate with him. Right, I agree with you, and I I think some of his people were you know, given to him on recommendations by people he thought he could trust. And, Maybe you know, he was basically he was basically you know putting people in place that had no desire to help him. But I when you look at DeSantis, you look at a guy that went into a purple state cleaned out the actual swamp in his state, changed the, the, you know, made the changes, executed the changes. Granted, it's a state, not the federal government. It's much different. But at least with him, you get the sense he's, he's done it. Maybe he can replicate it on a larger scale. Trump was on that scale, and, and I'm sorry, he had the right instincts, but he did not. It got him. He didn't get them. That's right. It, that, unfortunately, it did. That it did. It got him in so many. When, when you say that, uh, when you say that DeSantis is a politician, um, 
are you saying, William, that, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but are you saying that you are, would just really would prefer to elect someone who has not held political office before? Oh, definitely. And that's, I mean, that's how our nation was founded. You're not supposed to be a politician. You're supposed to go serve mm. and go back home. And, you know, so if uh, we have that choice, you would like that choice. But I mean, that may not be that may not be available. I mean, I know Vivek Ramaswamy would would fit that bill, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah I other than him, I'm, am I forgetting somebody? Is there anybody else running that isn't everybody no. else in the Republican field is a person that's held office, right? Yes, exactly. And there's some nice ones there. I mean, I'm not a, you know, I like Tim Scott. I like what he's saying, but. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, they're all politicians. You know, that's just that's mm-hmm. just unfortunate. That's just how it is. That people like politicians. So well, no, I, I don't think I, it's that people I, like politicians. I, I think I think you just very seldom get to pick someone who isn't one. Right, that's true. And you know, when Trump ran, there were several non-politicians that ran, but they didn't get the time of yep. day. So right. I was a huge Ben Carson fan until he had to drop out because mm-hmm. he just couldn't get mm-hmm. any traction. But yeah. I was a fan. So, I, I hope yeah, there'll be more. Yeah, I, 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 will, I like what you're saying, uh, William, about that. I, I hope that there will not only be more um, uh, non, I guess we, maybe we could say like people from the business world, uh, people from other fields, people from, I, I was going to say people from the military, but it would have to be the pre-woke uh, military. I'm not talking about General Milley, but, you know, uh, an Eisenhower type of figure. Uh, I mean, if we get them, if we have them to choose from, that's great. It's just that at the moment, um, there's just not a lot of them getting in. No, exactly. And I think because they're afraid of the of the media machine, because everybody has skeletons in their closet, and nobody wants mm-hmm. to drug out. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think that scares a lot of people off. So yeah. they just they you know every, a lot of people got skeletons, but they just don't want to air them in public. So I think a lot of good people avoid politics just for that reason. Okay. William, good to hear from you, sir. If I don't talk to you before, then have a great weekend. Austin gone wild, Christian. Austin has gone wild. How's that? Uh, we played yesterday, we played that clip of uh, the Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who sounded either intoxicated or like he might be having a medical episode. <laughs> and uh, today I read that the uh, the House is trying to impeach uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton. Yeah. Paxton's the one who said that Phelan was drunk mm-hmm. and should step down. So uh, that's that's where we're at. If you're, but you know, if this, you're wondering, <laughs> this and, and I'm going to admit, you know, we're not in Austin, so I right. don't get to spend a lot of time with the legislature. This is happening at the same time Biden is suing mm-hmm. the White mm-hmm. House mm-hmm. over the use of that app. Mm-hmm. And I just, you uh, know, these things all kind of happen at the same time, you know. There's a guy that's releasing more audio. He made like a montage of it. I don't want to play the whole thing, but this, these are more examples of Dade Phelan either having a medical episode or, or something else. Let me just play a little of it. Cut number five. The chair recognizes Garen to explain the amendment. Thank you, amendment. Mr. Speaker. Members, uh, this moves one precinct from now, District this is not him. The other guy is. Mr. Garen sends an amendment to an amendment as amendment. That amendment to the amendment is acceptable to the author. Is objection to the amendment to the amendment as amendment? The chair hears none. But Mr. Anchia requests a record of vote to the amendment to the amendment as amendment. The clock will ring the bell. <laughs> show Mr. Moody voting aye. Ms. Collier voting aye. Mr. Romero voting aye. Mr. Harris voting aye. Yeah. Show Mr. Garen voting aye. Show Mr. Kaysen voting aye. All members voting. There are 145 eyes and zero nays. The amendment to the amendment, as amended, 
is adopted. The chair recognizes Mr. Guerin to close in the amendment. Oh, you as get the amendment. idea. I, all I know is um, if you were pulled over and you talked to the trooper that way, you yeah. would not be driving your own vehicle home. You would be blowing into a machine. And I'm wondering, mm. is that, was that the Capitol or was that an auction? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> aren't they kind of the same thing if I you guess, think about it? Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, decide for yourself. Uh, that's that's your Texas legislature in action. Every so often, somebody will move to Texas and go, I can't believe your legislature only meets for uh, five or six months every two years. And then they get a chance to watch our legislature. And they're like, thank God your legislature only meets for five or six months once or every two years. Uh, 210-599-5555. There was a great uh, column in the Wall Street Journal, um, this was day before yesterday, entitled, These Aren't Tommy Lasorda's Dodgers. And I realized that there's probably a lot of you that don't know who Tommy Lasorda is, because if you're under a certain age, you wouldn't know. I mean, I know Christian knows. I know Don Cooper, you know. Tommy Lasorda, as an aside, was the manager of the Dodgers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, I think in the 70s and 80s and maybe into the 90s. Uh, he, was, he was the manager for a long time. And he was an old-school baseball guy. He had played baseball, and he had white hair, and he kind of kind of had the Archie Bunker uh, you know, vibe to him. He, he was, you wouldn't see him with a tablet looking at analytics, you know what I mean? Not that they had those back then. And, and uh, if he was still alive, and I don't think he is, uh, Tommy Lasorda would probably be a Trump voter, I would imagine, I would guess. But that was the point of the headline, these aren't Tommy Lasorda's Dodgers. Um, here's what, he, here's what uh, Matthew Hennessy writes. The Los Angeles Dodgers are in a pickle. It started with a bad call by the front office to honor a group called the Sisters of the Perpetual Indulgence at the team's annual Pride Night. Dodger executive Eric Braverman, together will continue to knock down barriers and foster an atmosphere of acceptance. He writes, not everyone felt accepted. Catholics have long known what the sisters are about. They describe themselves as a leading-edge order of queer and trans nuns and have no connection to any real denomination. They are, for the most part, male drag performers specializing in campy nun cosplay. Members of the group go by names like Sister Jezebel of the Enraptured Sling and Sister Shalita Corndog. At Easter, they host uh, Hunky Jesus contests. One imagines that Pride Night at Dodger Stadium is a hairy, fleshy affair, writes Hennessy. The Catholic Archdiocese of Los Angeles, led by Archbishop Jose Gomez, who you may remember was the Archbishop here in San Antonio, was predictably displeased by the team's decision to offer the group a roster spot. L.A. is a city of four million Catholics, many of whom are Hispanic, many of whom are traditionally minded, Many of whom are baseball fans. This guy cannot stop with the baseball puns. It's great. Every sentence. Last week, the Dodgers felt a pitching change was necessary. In a since-deleted tweet, the team acknowledged that the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence had been the source of some controversy, and they rescinded the invitation. In baseball, Hennessy writes, both teams get a chance to hit. The Dodgers immediately got plunked, another baseball reference, by the progressives who accused the team of letting itself get pushed off the plate. LGBT groups said the Dodgers had succumbed to a campaign to silence queer voices and erase trans identities. The team went to the bullpen a second this guy. The team went to the bullpen a second time Monday and rescinded the rescindment. 
The Drag Sisters are back in the ball game. He writes, most Americans are happy to live and let live. The Sisters of the Perpetual Indulgence have their agenda and a free country that's all fine and good. But why do the Dodgers need to let Sister Taint a Virgin prance around the bases looking like a flabby Kirk Gibson in habit? People probably don't know who Kirk Gibson is either at this point. Got to be old. Um, everyone is already welcome at the ballpark. It feels un-American to force-feed culture war politics alongside the Peanuts and Cracker Jack. Um, the O'Malley family owned the Dodgers from 1947 to 1997. They were known for doing things the Dodger way, professionalism and class. Finn Scully, the team's longtime radio announcer, personified the Dodger way. So did Jackie Robinson, Duke Snyder, Gil Hodges, Sandy Koufax, Steve Garvey, uh, Mike Piazza, Andre Ethier, and Tommy Lasorda. The sisters of perpetual indulgence aren't classy. They're obnoxious and gross. They don't belong in the Dodger lineup. It's, it's, it's well-written, um, and it really makes that argument we've been talking about all week that you're, you're watching right before your eyes solid institutions, brands, companies, organizations that always had their heads screwed on straight, that everyone knew. I mean, not everybody rooted for the Dodgers, you know, if you were an Easterner, if you're an East Coast guy, you might have been more of a Yankees fan. But, but everybody knew the Dodger way and knew they were, you know, a very professional organization. They've lost their way because they don't have a, a like a, a core. Everything's relative. And you can tell that's true because if they had a core, they would have stood by their invitation to the fake nuns the hairy fake nuns, right? I mean, if you believe in something, you can at least be consistent about it, right? You can say, well, look, this is, this is what we're doing. We don't care what people say. But they can't. They don't. They're, they, they get pushed back and forth by pr- whatever, whichever way the wind is blowing. And, and see, that what I think is interesting is for the longest time, Catholics and conservatives, if you'll pardon the pun, turn the other cheek on stuff like this. So for the longest time, we as conservatives were content to just look the other way, shake our head, fold our arms, and ignore something that was obviously an insult aimed at us. And now we're fighting back. You look at the Bud Light thing. You look at the Target story. And it's it's confusing these organizations because they always thought, we just have to appease the alphabet people, as Dave Chappelle calls them. We only have to appease the radical left, because they're the only ones that ever make any noise. If we're, if we're okay with them, we don't have anything to worry about, because everybody else will just go along with what we do. And what's changed is now Bud Light drinkers are saying, no, we've had it. We don't care if it was just one can. We're not buying one more can. And Target, and, uh, and I've got some other examples that we'll go through, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, these are not Tommy Lasorda's Dodgers. Um, and, and, and I guess I guess Tommy Lasorda had his faults. Um, a lot of stuff came out after he passed away that, that dinged his reputation a little bit. And he was old school, you know. Um, but he knew what he was doing. They knew what they were doing. 
And when you look at institutions from colleges to the Army to uh, major, well-established brands, doesn't it just look, it's not just that you disagree with what they're doing. It's also, it doesn't look like they know what the hell they're doing. Like, they don't know who they are or what they are supposed to be. And I'm not asking you to feel sorry for them, but it's a pretty sorry state of affairs. Got a couple of emails. Hey, Jack, I know who Time of the Sword is, and I'm younger than you. <laughs> and there's probably people that don't. I, I, I know. I'm, I am a dated reference machine. I am a dated reference generator. I can't help it. I can't go a paragraph without mentioning something. Yeah, but, um, but do they know who Archie Bunker is? See? Look at me. I'm trying to explain who one guy is with an even more dated reference than the guy I'm trying to explain. And by the way, Time of the Sword was their manager. I looked it up during the break until 1996. I thought it was mostly 70s and 80s, but he, he was the manager for 20 years. You don't see that in baseball too often at all anymore. Um, remember when the standard, when it came to... Uh, religion was you couldn't attack a specific religion you couldn't favor a specific religion you couldn't um you, you could say things generally but the the rule across the board was as long as it doesn't favor or insult attack a specific religion apparently that rule was discontinued at some point and we didn't get the memo because this is an overtly catholic insult sisters of perpetual indulgence you know i'd like to see the dodgers bring in uh, a bunch of trans uh people in like burkas run around the bases in Bur let, let, let's see how that goes over but they won't do that because they're too chicken bleep to do that because some religions are more equal than others and i'm not calling for that and i'm not calling for uh i i don't want to rank the religions i I believe in and am a Catholic. I'm a practicing Catholic. I believe in what the Catholic Church teaches. I respect people who act on their beliefs, whatever those beliefs are. There is no reason to do a pride night period for a baseball team. Like the guy in the Wall Street Journal says, everyone is welcome at the ballpark. That battle was over a long time ago. Stonewall was a long time ago. Okay. If you're going to do it, if you're going to redo your logo in the rainbow colors, leave it at that. But then when you do your rainbow logo and then you rescind the invitation to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, we learn something interesting about the left and leftist entities. We learn that they're really not even loyal to the people they claim to be allies of. Their um, supposed loyalty or alliance is flimsy. And you're seeing it with Target. Target's freaking out about uh, pulling down or moving the displays of their pride and tuck-friendly and Satanist uh, clothing. So imagine Satanist clothing in Target? I mean, I realize the Satanists at this point are more ironic than actual, you know, worshipers of the devil, but n nonetheless. Um, and so what happened when they pulled it down is they started getting a big backlash from the LGBTQ. Gavin Newsom is attacking them. I guess he's an ally. So 
you might as well not even bother with the virtue signaling in the first place. You might as well not bother with the Pride Night, with the rainbow logo, because if you're not going to stick with it, then what do you really stand for? See, I'm not saying they stand for the wrong things. The, the Dodgers, Target. There's a story in here about Calvin Klein, Bud Light. They don't stand for anything. And they are trying to navigate a world in which if you don't have a core or a spine, you're just a jellyfish. Uh, somewhere here I had a interesting Bud Light statistic. What did I do with that? Oh. Uh, this says a uh, new report from Investors Business Daily. Says Anheuser Busch InBev's market value has plunged fifteen point seven billion dollars since April first, the day the Dylan Mulvaney controversy uh, started, according to Investors Business Daily. Fifteen point seven billion dollar market value loss. Calvin Klein, Daily Mail. Is this Calvin Klein's Bud Light? moment ad featuring trans man who's not had top surgery modeling a bra sparks backlash um i would say google it but i don't know if you i don't know if you want to see this i know normally i say you should see things not just let other people tell you about them you might want to let me just tell you about this one in a promotional photo shared by the brand which has long been known for its sultry and sexy ads featuring toned topless models Weren't they the ones with Marky Mark at one point? Wasn't that Calvin Klein? I think it was. Um, in a promotional uh, snap shared by the company, Bappy Cortram can be seen wearing a pair of jeans and a sports bra. Bappy, who is from the Netherlands, um, is a trans man who has not yet had top surgery, according to his talent agency. This is part of Calvin Klein's Pride 2023 campaign. It went viral this week after being reposted on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Uh, shows a guy, kind of a schlubby-looking guy, wearing a sports bra. He's kind of got moves, but not doesn't really need a sports bra. Uh, comments on the Twitter feed, this bra beard thing has me confused. If he's trying to be more feminine, why keep the beard? Or is this trans women having beards a thing? Another question, is he just gay and wearing a bra because he's overweight and thinks it's cute? So many questions. Another one wrote, wow, this makes the clothes look ugly. I thought ads worked on making stuff look attractive and aspirational. Yeah, I did too. Um, you know the brand The North Face? The North Face uh, is debuting its new campaign, Summer of Pride, with a drag video. Um... I don't know a lot about the North Face, but it seems like the people I know that are really, like, serious about skiing and, you know, like, uh, camping out and all, all things I don't do, it seems like a very, very respected brand for them. So I don't know if this will matter or not, but it, it's not what they are known for and seem like they would need to be known for it. And remember Rosie O'Donnell, the comedian and actress and she was on the view for a while and stuff she's in the news today she's in a um she's on some podcasts uh i forget who does it some celebrity podcast anyway she's talking about how she uh talked to her daughter 
about what's going on right now. This is Rosie O'Donnell. <clears throat> and she says that she told her daughter, quote, you can be a girl and still like all the boy stuff. Adding that she was a tomboy who loved being a girl. She was responding to her daughter telling her that her stuffed animals are non-binary. She said her daughter told her that. And O'Donnell said, oh, here we go. I said, well, that's fantastic, she told her daughter. You know, what's funny is I'm a girl who people used to call a tomboy because I liked all the boy stuff when I was little. And you know what's weird? I really still do like the boy stuff. I like football, motorcycles. I like to do a lot of stuff that boys traditionally like to do. O'Donnell said she was never confused about whether she was a boy or a girl. So she told her daughter, you can be a girl and like anything you want, which seems very sensible. Like, I, I would think that would be the right thing to say. She is getting absolutely torched by the alphabet people. They have come after her like it's, you know, the crucible. It, it is, this is just awful. How dare you raise your own child? <laughs> Do you not know it's 2023? I mean, is there anything wrong with that? It, 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 it's okay for your your girl to be a tomboy. It's okay for your son to play with a tea I mean, it's all fine. Are, are we supposed to immediately push kids into gender transformation and, and uh, you know, pronoun fluidity? Because they like a different toy or they like to play with boys and girls? We, we never did before. That's what we're doing now. Is that, is that really the right thing to do or is that just like the trendy thing to do? Uh, this is from uh, the Epic Times. Shares of Target have declined after the company launched its Pride collection at the beginning of the month, offering over 2,000 products, clothing, books, home furnishings, and calendars. Some of the items are targeted at children. Books for ages 2 to 8 with titles like Pride 123 and Bye Bye Binary. Target also suggested the pronoun book to kids aged 0 to 3 and home decor mugs labeled gender fluid and transgender swimsuits for children with a tuck-friendly feature. I'm so glad no one's asked. Um, they got a lot of uh, blowback and uh, negative reaction, hashtag boycott Target, trending across social media. And according to the Epic Times... Target shares between May 1st and May 24th declined by 11%, and the company's market cap fell from $73 billion to $66 billion in that period. Now, I'm not, uh, I don't follow this stuff closely. I don't know if that would be a, a fluctuation you would have seen at other times or in other, maybe seasonally. So that looks like a lot to me without knowing the history. I wouldn't think... A company like Target's been around for a long time, it's everywhere. Um, I mean, I, I go there regularly. I don't even think about it. It's just there's one nearby, and it's they have everything, and they're open late, and you just go. It is, it's got to be significant that a business that is ubiquitous and that doesn't normally, it isn't really even a choice. Like, I think a lot of people go to Walmart if there's one closer. They go to Target if there's one closer. But... People are making a decision. Uh, they they want to cast a vote. They want to send a message. 
They're doing it with their wallet. And the people doing it, as I mentioned earlier, are people like you and me who they don't think ever do this kind of thing. But starting with Bud Light, of all things, they're discovering that there is a price to pay with people who are conservative, faith-filled, etc. For too long, we, we took the attitude of, well, we're just not, we don't engage in boycotts. I don't have time for that. And I just want to get home to my family. And I'm not interested in, you know, I, I, I'm busy enough without joining a cause and so forth and so on. Apparently, people have had enough. Rosie O'Donnell telling her daughter, don't worry about gender, just be a tomboy. That sounds, I, I've never been a Rosie O'Donnell fan in my life. That sounds very reasonable. Um, my, my daughter was not, this wasn't really a thing. I mean, she was a pretty, she loved all the girly things. And, uh, I don't recall too many things she ever wanted to do that, that would have like been more of a boy's activity or she, she didn't want to play sports, she, you know, stuff like that. But, but be that as it may, um, when you raise a child with love, you kind of make room for them. To color in the lines, outside the lines, play with other girls, play with boys, play with both. And um, to hear Rosie O'Donnell, it sounds like she's almost invented a new form of parenting in this day and age where you just <laughs> you just let kids be kids. You don't buy them a tuck-friendly swimsuit. Somebody made a point on our show, and it, it was a caller, and I wish I could remember, because it was a really good point. He or she said, you know, a lot of the parents that are doing this, it, it's not about the kid. It's about how they look to their peers. So if you're buying the tuck-friendly swimsuit and you're drinking your, your latte out of the gender fluid mug, you are not, it's not about your, your kid. It's about the other parents that you want to look hip to or, or in vogue with. And I think that's right. But I, I think we have to remember something. Um, our kids, as we raise them, are unfinished human beings. Like, I'm, I'm very f focused on this right now because my daughter's about to graduate. I know I've said that nine million times this week, and I'm beclempt about it. But um, I keep thinking about how the formation of a young person works and how as you raise your child through all the different ages and stages, it's a combination of giving them room to fall off a bike or scrape their knee or make a mistake or whatever, but also protecting them. So you have to know when to not let them touch the stovetop because it's hot and when to learn from a scraped knee not to do this or do that. So, as you're doing all that, and I don't care what your politics are, it is, in, it is essential to say to a child, you don't know what you're talking about. Maybe gently, but right? You want that, but you can't have it. You want to eat the whole jar of peanut butter, but I'm not going to let you because I know what would happen. This is that same idea. If your child comes to you and says, my, my stuffed animals are non-binary, or I, today I feel like a girl, in the same way that you as an adult have always, and without even thinking about it, said, well, I know better, and I'm going to just 
walk us through this little thing and come out the other side and we'll be just fine and they'll forget about it. It's the same thing. If Rosie O'Donnell gets it, <laughs> come on, right? 210-599-5555. There's a story in the news about a boy in Canada, a young man named Josh Alexander. He was suspended from school because he was handing out Bibles. He... <laughs> This is very strange. He wasn't handing them out in school. Uh, he was handing them out on the sidewalk in Calgary. And um, he, he is uh, a very, very evangelical uh, Catholic young man. He um, was arrested and handcuffed and taken away for uh, offering people Bibles on a public sidewalk. He was told that after he was released, he was told he would be arrested and charged if he ever was found to do it again. He says, I'm going to do it again. I am doing it again. Because um, the Calgary police felt that he was creating uh, a disturbance. And part of uh, when, 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 it, when it came out that he had been arrested, his school suspended him. And here's the kicker. His school is a Catholic school. I think we have that story, Don, don't we? Uh, in our little uh, collection of uh, tricks here. Yeah, cut number two. Listen to this. I was actually arrested at my high school after being kicked out for saying that there was only uh, two genders. Um, so anyways, I was at this uh, protest. Um, it shows support for Liberty Coalition Canada. Um, and uh, I was just there to hand out uh, some Bibles to students. What have they explained to you as to why they kicked you out? I quoted Mark 10, 6, um, after a teacher told us that there was uh, as many genders as we wanted there to be and we should explore ourselves. And I said, no, God created male and female. Um, and this, uh, some female students complained to me about males using their washrooms. They were concerned about this. So I, uh, I stuck up for them and I voiced my views on that. And, uh, yeah, ever since I've been kicked out, um, they claim that my, uh, my views and me expressing them was a form of bullying. Let me just deal with the Catholic school part of it first. I, I wish I could say I'm shocked, but I'm not. I deal with this all the time. Um, being a Catholic, it constantly puts you in conflict with certain dioceses, uh, schools, uh, pastors, we have a lot of them in San Antonio. The, the Diocese of San Antonio is basically a far-left uh, diocese. It is not reflective, in, in doing so, in being so, it is not reflective of where most Catholics' hearts are, nor the teachings of Jesus Christ. I hate to say that. I, I really hate saying that on the radio, but it's true. So we, we deal with that. So the part about being at odds with this Catholic school is maybe the least surprising part of this but you know what i i do take from this story as much as it's it's been reported as an outrage and and isn't this terrible L listen to how confident josh alexander sounds he he sounds completely unfazed he's 17 do you remember when you were 17 how important it was to fit in can you imagine being this calm 
about being the only one in your peer group to do something and be nationally known for doing it. And I'm hopeful about this, because when I keep hearing, and you do too, about all the depression and the, the suicidal thoughts and the, the, um, the way that the Gen Z is lost and they don't know why they're here and they don't have any purpose and they're numbing themselves with you know, their, their phones or video games or drugs, the ones that sound the happiest and the most centered are the Josh Alexanders. And the ones that seem demoralized and depressed and lost are the ones that have taken a deep drink out of the woke cup, right? And, and so, yeah, naturally, if you're told that gender is fluid and you, your body might be a mistake and there's no God, and I, I know I've gone through all this before, but I mean, no wonder they're depressed. And then you hear somebody like him and you think, well, why does he sound that way? He has a core. There's a purpose. He, he, knows what he, he knows why he's here. He's acting on that purpose. It seems very simple. If you have it and you live by it, you can make sense of the world around you. Josh Alexander sounds like somebody that's made sense of the world around him. And if you don't, if you're just kind of going from experience to experience and whatever the last thing you saw on TikTok told you, well, then I, I can understand, and you can too, the misery of that, the loneliness of that. On the JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery, are you glad that Ron DeSantis entered the 2024 presidential race? He did yesterday with a Twitter Spaces feed that was a technical nightmare, but uh, we've been playing some of the actual things he said. Here he is. Um, talking about uh, COVID and lockdowns, cut number 10. Governor, you did the right thing when you opened the schools. What are your thoughts about reforming uh, you know, the, the, the public health authority in the United States and the federal government? How do you see the reforms we need so that the mistakes of the lockdowns have, that happened during the pandemic don't happen again when there's another pandemic? Well, first, we need an honest reckoning about what happened during and the only honest reckoning is that all of those agencies, all of the elites, the public health establishment, they failed. They instituted bad policies. Uh, obviously, it's a novel virus, but I think what happened was when the data was becoming more and more apparent that the path they were on was wrong, they doubled down and wanted to do it even more. And I really believe had Florida not just kind of uh, stood in the way I think this country would have had rolling lockdowns for probably a two-year period. And so their impulses were authoritarian. They were not following the data. And I think the U.S. government needs to acknowledge the failures. And I think all of those agencies need to be cleaned out. Uh, what I saw just dealing with them was I saw an um, interest in the narrative and in politics over evidence-based reasoning and evidence-based medicine. And so I don't have confidence that, that those agencies are up to the task, uh, and I think you need major, major overhaul of the whole enchilada with respect to public health in this country. You know, it's the right thing to say. I, I keep coming back to that question we had a few days ago. Would he have been, had he been sitting in the Oval Office and whatever it was, February or March of 2020, 
and and Fauci and Burks march in and and give this uh you know they drop the hammer would he have sent them packing would he have said back to the drawing board would he have said I want a I want a panel drawn from outside the public health system to uh second guess and test and challenge what you're telling me uh I, i'm going to listen to a broad range of people not just one or two would he have been i mean he sounds like it we're the ones that are going to have to decide so if you work in radio christian for any length of time you do what is called a remote mm-hmm. which is an on-site broadcast we shouldn't really call it remotes because only people in radio know what remotes are but yep you know, it, it, you're, you're doing your show or you're calling into somebody else's show from a business or an event or a venue. And uh, it's it can be the best or worst experiences. <laughs> you're right. Um, you can have a wonderful time. You can have a blast uh, you, or, or things can go wrong. I, I have to laugh at all these people in the media that are dunking on DeSantis for this Twitter space thing. Like, do they think he ran the wires and made the oh, connections? Yeah, and yeah. Like, he personally mm-hmm. designed the, uh, you know... Like, he took the Marty and just messed it all up. You know, like... <laughs> right. Like, yeah, he can't be president because, look, yeah. the audio is so bad. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure this... I'm pretty sure every one of these people on television at some point were, did a live shot somewhere or were on location somewhere and had all kinds of stuff hit the fan probably screamed at their underlings. And are they really pretending they don't know how this works? Let me stretch this analogy just a little further. Talking about remotes, these people criticizing him for that are the same people who show up at those remotes wanting Mm -hmm. all of your Mm T-shirts and CDs. Mm. That's very true. Okay. That's very true. (laughs) Um, I don't know what was worse in radio back when we used to have a lot of stuff to give away or when after all the budget cuts and consolidation, we would do these remotes and we'd have nothing. It was nothing like standing in the parking lot of a dry cleaner and having people come up to you, thinking as they approached that you perhaps they were, you were somebody they listened to or mm-hmm. wanted to meet. And as they got closer, they would go, you got any pens? Yeah, and you knew they weren't even in your target demo either. <laughs> well, they, right? And you, you just wanted to give them your own pen just to, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. here, you know, if you really here's need a, one. Here's a spent bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, we don't have any bumper stickers. <laughs> you don't have right. anything? No. Why are you here? Excellent question. Well, you're here. <laughs> so yeah. It must have worked. There you go. Why didn't I think of that answer? All right. Well, uh, thank you, Christian. Have a great night. It is graduation season. And uh, as you know, um, over these last several days and in the next several days, uh, people graduating from high school and college will be subjected to uh, a wide range of, uh, shall we say, um, good, the bad, and the ugly of commencement addresses and valedictorian speeches and stuff. The, the bottom line when somebody is graduating is you want to congratulate them and you want to give them a little advice. You want to Give them a little something to take out there into the world. And a while back, we did a thing on the show where we asked you, what is the best advice you can give in exactly four words? So the, the, the only rule was that you had to use four words, not three, not five, four words. Best advice you could give in four words. I'm going to modify that a little bit now. What is the best advice you could give new grads? In four words. 
210-599-5555. I mean, it's hard to give good advice with any quantity of words. I know that. But what think of think of what you could say with the greatest precision and concision four words best advice for our new grads 210-599-5555. Oh man, I was a I was a wreck this afternoon. I I've been putting this off and putting this off. I have this this graduation card for my daughter. You know, I've got her gifts and I've got this card and I wanted to write a note in the card. And there were so many things I, I wanted to say, but I know we all, we as parents, we say too much, and we try to, we try to, you know, we try to make everything a teachable moment. And I'm terrible at that. And I don't want to do. So I really just, I was working on it. I was doing rough drafts, and um, I finally boiled it down to a short note that fits inside of, you know, like the blank side of a of a card, and. Um, so I know how hard this is. I know there's a lot of things you want to say, but in a way I'm making it easy for you because you just got to pick four words. 210-599-5555 uh, with graduation season upon us, what would be the best advice you could give in four words? Don says, work your ass off. <laughs> and we have a winner. No, I do like that. That's good. That's good. Uh, 210-599-5555. You can also email me, jack at ktsa.com. Brad says, be true to yourself. Uh, let's uh, grab some calls here and let's see. Raymond, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Raymond, how you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. So what's the best advice you could give the graduating class of 2023? I would say pay attention to detail. Pay attention to detail. I like it. Very good, Raymond. Well, thank you for that. Thanks. The grads, thank you for that. That was a good one. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Best advice you could give grads in four words only. Not four words or less. Not three, not five. Just four words. Uh, we got Jesse here on the on the phone right now. Hi, Jesse. Hey, I recommend keep learning, keep improving. Oh, that's excellent. Keep learning, keep improving. I wish you had been my graduation speaker. We could have left the car running. I like it. Thank you, Jesse. 210-599-5555. Because, you know, if you give a whole speech, people aren't going to remember that in five years. But if you say something really pithy and and and, and just like, that cuts right to the core, they will maybe remember that. That's why we're going with the four words. Uh, Lee with advice for the grads. Hi, Lee. Good evening. So I would say uh, you don't deserve anything. And if you'd given me five, I would have said you have to earn it. Okay. Well, you don't deserve anything is a good, that's a good start. That's kind of like a thought. It's kind of like a provocative thing, right? Like you're getting in their face, you know, you're, you're, you're cutting into this whole entitlement mentality, right? Exactly. I mean, you know, a lot of these kids that come out today think they deserve to make right. $100,000 coming right. out of college. Well, right. no, you have to earn it. Yeah. I mean, you and I did, but they don't. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Right. Exactly. All right, Lee, thank you. You don't deserve anything. 
Keep learning, keep improving, pay attention to detail. Uh, here's another one. Kip says, attitude matters the most. These are great. You got a tough act to follow here. 210-599-5555. John is on the radio. Hi, John. Hey, how you doing? Uh, my four Good words thing. are expect nothing from others. Expect nothing from others. I'm writing these down. John, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate that. 210-599-5555. Steve is on the radio, the Jack Riccardi Show. Hello, Steve. Hi. Should have said it harder. <laughs> is that uh, is that personal or uh, oh, just hypothetical? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I hear you. Yeah. Um, maybe should have studied something else. Maybe I might apply for, it all, might apply for some of us too. Yeah, or at all. There you go. All right. I, I do sometimes regret my choice of a major. Thank you, Steve. Uh, we're looking for your best advice for the graduating class of 2023 in exactly four words on the Jack Riccardi Show. And Jeff is on the radio. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jack. Uh, I failed English, so I've got, I've got a backup. Mine okay. is don't, don't take shortcuts. Now, shortcuts does have a hyphen. So if the hyphen counts as one word, I would say do not take shortcuts. <laughs> I love a man that can use conjunctions. Is that what they're called? Conjunctions? Isn't that yes. when they do the don't, the do not, don't? I think it's a conjunction. Or I may be wrong or about ain't, that. but ain't, ain't, There you go. One of them. <laughs> very, very strategic use of the uh, use of or non-use of the apostrophe. I like it. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, 210-599-5555. Here's Tiffany on The Jack Show. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I got four I'm ready. All right. Don't ruin your credit. Oh. Very specific, right? very good advice. <laughs> did you Did you take that advice when you started out? I sure did. My mom, family, uh, friends, teachers. Good. You know, mm-hmm. well, I think that is a nice piece of advice, <laughs> Tiffany. Thank you very much, and hope you have a good night. Uh, here's one from uh, Deborah. She says, "Walk through the fear. Walk through the fear." Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Here's Eric. Hi, Eric. Hi there, Jack. Keep God first always. Keep God first always. Got it. Yeah. Did somebody tell you that at one time, or did you kind of figure that out through life experience? Life experience. You know, you keep yeah. him first, everything falls into place, and you don't have to worry about anything. Uh, everything will happen in God's timing and yeah. God's will. And if you focus on him, everything he wants for you and what you want should and may fall into place. Amen. I like it. I think it's good to tell people that. I also think they have to learn it through lived experiences you gotta you gotta fall in and out of it a little bit to really get it thank you eric um right now though we're talking about uh this graduation season that we're in the middle of right um high schools colleges universities trade schools and and as everybody's getting out and being sent out into the world uh they're getting a variety of advice they're getting uh you know big speeches and valedictorians and maybe you know dad puts his arm around you and has a few words of wisdom on the way back to the car, or whatever it is, but what would be the best advice you could give in four words 
Kids love that. <laughs> the shorter, the better. So what's the best advice you could give in four words? We're getting a ton of responses. Um, Mike says, have fun working hard. Have fun working hard. Uh, and um, Richard, our good friend Richard, who's a very loyal listener, says, measure twice, cut once. Uh, Steve says, stay hungry, stay humble. 210-599-5555. Victor is on the show. Hi, Victor. Hey, Jack. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Not bad after a long day of work. I hear it. I've got so what would be your advice? And it's nice and simple. I think it's relatable. Drill, baby, drill, y'all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, sir. I like it. Uh, Dean is on the radio. Hi, Dean. How you doing, Jack? I just dealt with graduation myself. My daughter just graduated from Wharton last week. I oh, guess. congratulations. Yeah, that was quite the adventure with uh, Biden being there for the UPenn graduation. Uh, mm. was... But uh, this is something that's really easy to do when you're winning. Hold your head up. But hold your in head all up. situations, we should hold your head up. Yeah. And then one thing I've told my kids all their lives is minimize expectations, maximize the satisfaction. Mm. Those are both good. They're lucky to have you, Dean. Thank you. Uh, hold your head up. Good advice. Like you said, it's sometimes easier to do than others, but I guess it's most important to do when it's also hard to do. Uh, well, I guess a lot of advice is most important when it's hard to take, right? If it was easy to, imp- if it was easy to kind of um, uh, act on, uh, then it wouldn't be so significant. I made a mistake earlier, and our uh, former news director, Dennis Foley, who never stops working for us, even though he's in Houston now, uh, the word I wanted was not um, conjunction. Let me go go back to (laughs) this message. Contraction is what I wanted. I I think I said conjunction, but the word I wanted was contraction. All right, and that can help you with the four-word thing. You know, contraction can get you to four words. Uh, 210-599-5555, best advice for the grads. And Thomas is next. Hi, Thomas. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good, good. My four words I would say would be don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. That is easier said than done, right? <laughs> right. But I always look at it as, man, you can always make more money, but you can never make more time. Yeah, that's, very, that's very true. Money comes and goes and time. I, I'm not judging anybody when I say this, but when I look at people, when you're out in public, you're in a waiting room, whatever, and you see everybody on their phone, you know, maybe some people are working, but man, we do waste so many hours a week um, with like little games and uh, just watching crazy videos and, and, and not that there shouldn't be some of that. We all have to daydream a little bit once in a while, but those are, that's time you're going to want back someday, right? Yeah, and and we and that's the thing that we always think that you know tomorrow's promise. Yeah, yeah, that is absolutely right. But you, for a young sounding guy, you sound very wise, Thomas. Thank you, I appreciate you. Uh, Bill is next on the radio. Hi, Bill. Hi, Jack. Listen, I've got uh, two two terms. Can I use them both or just one? You can give us both. They're both four words each. Okay, yeah, they're simple. Number one. Okay, is let's hear them. one. Mind your BCQs. Number two is uh, credit cards up. Okay. Mind your P's and Q's might be 
I guess, I guess that would be five if you're counting P's and Q's, but um, okay. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, this is this is hard to do. I know because you gotta you gotta say it in your head, then you gotta like count it off on your fingers. But four words for new grads. What would your four word piece of advice be? If you have a grad, you can give them more than four. But for me, you can only give four. Uh, here's one from Christian: Understand before being understood. That's very deep. I do like that. Uh, here's Chuck on the radio. Hi, Chuck. Hi, Jack. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I've got a good one. Forgive all, despise none. Hmm. That does sound good. That almost sounds like it should be carved on a monument or a plaque or something. Forgive all, despise none. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. Walter is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Walter. Hey, how you doing? Good, thank you. Hey, uh, first and foremost, everybody out there, have a safe and wonderful Memorial Weekend. Yes. And uh, my 12-year-old daughter and I were driving back from the Mercedes dealership out of Bernie, and she's overhearing everybody, and she basically said, shut up and work. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is awesome. I'm going to give you some credit because she didn't turn out that way just accidentally, Walter. I think you must have had something to do with that. Yeah. I said, well, i got to call in for my daughter. Oh, that is yeah. tremendous. Say it one more time so everybody hears it. Here, baby, you say it. I say hi on the radio. <laughs> Hello. Say it. Shut up Can you and say work. it one more time? <laughs> Shut up and work. Shut up and work. I like it. Very good. Remember those words from the mouths of the mouths of children. All right. Thank you, Walter. Drive safe. Uh, 210-599-5555. Your best four words of advice for the class of 23. Hi, Greg. Yes, sir. What do you got for us? Uh, failure makes or breaks. Hmm. I like that tough love approach. Failure makes or breaks. I'm going to have to rewrite that note to my daughter now. I'm getting all these good good sayings. Uh, let's see here. We've got uh, Gabe on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Gabe. Hey, Jack. How we doing? It's going. How you doing? I got a good one. Uh, don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, you might have to explain to them where we got that from, right? Well, it's uh, you know, in an age of uh, a lot of misinformation. Um, I mean, yeah. it's, it's very important. These young, yeah. young, educated people need to think for themselves. Yeah. No, I agree. Totally. Uh, don't drink the Kool-Aid. I'm assuming, I guess Kool-Aid would be all one word or it would be hyphenated. Um, do you think, I'm thinking that, I'm thinking that don't drink the Kool-Aid originated with Jonestown. Would you think that had to be the case? Or was that around before Jonestown? Do I need to explain Jonestown? Making me feel so old. No, uh, Jonestown was that, uh, that Jim Jones cult that all these people joined up with this uh, crazy end times guy, Jim Jones. He had this cult. He uh, established it in uh, Guyana, I think was the country. I may be off on that. And there was a mass suicide of hundreds and hundreds of people, 900 people or something, uh, and they drank poisoned Kool-Aid. And I think... I think that reference comes from that event, but I could be wrong. Maybe it was pre- maybe it predates that. 
Not good for the Kool-Aid brand. I'm over two on my guesses. I was pretty sure Don't Drink the Kool-Aid came from Jonestown, but nope. According to Wikipedia, the first known use of the phrase was in the 1968 book The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test by the famous Tom Wolfe, where it was used to describe an incident where Wolfe was uh, preventing someone with a poor mental health record from drinking Kool-Aid with LSD in it, who then had a bad experience. So... That's the origins of don't drink the Kool-Aid. But probably made more ubiquitous by the Jonestown incident. And then um, then we got, to, we got to talking off the air about how do, do people even really drink Kool-Aid anymore? Like, I, I know they make it, but I haven't heard anybody, like, talk about it, like drinking it or buying it or anything in years and years. You'd have to... If you were going to coin that phrase today, it would have to be something like "Don't drink the Red Bull." <laughs> doesn't doesn't work as well. All right, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. What is your best advice to the new grads in exactly four words? And Natalie is going to show us the way. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Ha- how are you? Happy Thursday. Happy um, Thursday. Mine is uh, love, truth, live, love. Ooh, love truth. Because live, you, love. if you seek truth, you mm-hmm. you love truth, and you seek mm-hmm. truth, you will probably find Jesus. So, so it's love, truth, live, love. That is great, boy. You you got a lot out of four words there. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see. Tim is next. Hi, Tim. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? There's an old one, and it's from my father, and I'm way up there in age already, but uh, uh, always do your best. Very basic. Still works, right? And, yeah, and the other one is never set or less. I mean, it's just preemptive of... Uh, the reason those have stayed the, the, the reasons those have stayed around so long is because they're, they're always true, both very good. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Uh, let's grab a couple more here. Best advice for grads in four words. And John is on the radio. Hi, John. Hey, bud. Um, stay out of debt. Wow. Very, a, lot of, a lot of financial ones. Stay out <laughs> of debt. You need them. And, and, you know, I was, it's funny you, you say this because I was just thinking the other day, imagine if when we were 18 or 22, we knew then what we know now just about, like, saving money. Absolutely. Imagine where we would be now. Probably oh, on a beach somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or that Listen. old vehicle that's worth uh, you know, fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, I'd have one of those I'd have one of those cars that I keep putting on Facebook that people think I actually own and I never do. <laughs> All right, John, good job. Thank you. Stay out of debt. And uh Jeff is on the Jack Riccardi show. Hi, Jeff. Hey Jack. Hey, good topic. Uh four words. Life is a marathon, mm. not a sprint. <laughs> yeah, life is a marathon. That is that is so true. And it's tough when you're young because you're in such a big hurry, right? Oh, yeah, ready to blow the gates off. <laughs> you want to get to everything so quickly. You want to get through weeks. 
weeks to get to the weekend. You want to get through winter to get to summer. And then when you get to be our age, you're like, slow down. Please, everything is going way too fast. Uh, Very good. Life is a marathon. All right, Mike has some advice for the graduates of 2023. Hello, Mike. Hello, Jack. Uh, My daughter's a little bit younger than yours, but trust in your parents. Mm. Now, I have to say, that sometimes has to be learned, right? (laughs) You. You could tell them, you could tell them, but they might, they might think you had a, you know, a a bias on that one, but yeah, the older I get, the more I trust them. Trust in your parents. Trust in your parents. Mike, thank you very much. All right. We're going to grab some more here. I want to do it. I want to get to the Jack chat though, so we don't run out of time on that. 210-599-5550 is when you want to leave a comment, uh, such as when we're not on the air, or you're listening to the podcast. So let's let's take a quick tour through the Jack chat line right here. Jack, uh, Chris from San Antonio, you were talking about if you knew you were predisposed to dementia or whatever or some disease yeah. because of the gene therapy and all that, would you still have kids knowing that? Yeah, because you can adopt them. You don't have to go with, oh, my kids or grandkids will have the same thing. Just adopt a set of kids or kids yourself. And that because there are a lot of families out there that want kids. There are kids out there. Always about yeah. the kids. Bye. Yeah. That's a great point. Thank you for that. Uh, so that was uh, about the topic we had about taking a genetic test and finding out you had something or you were predisposed to something. All right, next on the Jack chat line. Hi, Jack. This is Craig in Pipe Creek. I'm calling about uh, DeSantis and Trump, and I think you're pretty much spot on, particularly with uh, – Trump's ego, and uh, up front, I'm a Trump supporter. However, I'll roll you back to uh, Reagan and Bush, the senior, in their primary season. It was pretty brutal, as I recall. Remember voodoo economics? And Reagan would crash the economy, and et cetera. And yet Reagan, being pragmatic, uh, understood that uh, perhaps having Bush on the ticket would be good, and Bush, understanding that Reagan had a large following, that perhaps joining the ticket would lead to his advantage, which ultimately it did. Trump uh, being a deal maker, perhaps he'll uh, make a deal, and uh, we shall see what happens. But at any rate, uh, strange things do happen in politics. Thank you, Jack. Well, Craig, you know I love you, and I want to respect you. But I don't think uh, Donald Trump is Ronald Reagan. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're not comparable. That's that's really like comparing. Uh, I don't know apples to ice cubes or something. But it's it's. Um, if you go back to yeah Reagan and Bush, that was quaint. Their their differences uh, were quaint compared to this, this, the way people talk about each other now. I don't think you can. I'm sorry. I don't think you can do that. But 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 also. Um, so two things, Reagan was, was definitely not the egomaniac that, that Donald Trump is. And even if you love him, you got to admit he is, uh, but also just the, the, the lines that have already been crossed, you know, making fun of, of, uh, DeSantis's reputed penis size, I don't think compares to anything that happened in the 1980, uh, Republican primaries. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I said this yesterday, our listeners by and large, are totally convinced 
that Trump and DeSantis will be a ticket. So I'm not going to say I know they won't, but I will be very, very, very surprised if they ever are. I just do not see that. But again, a lot of people think so. Uh, one more on the Jack chat line. Hi, Jack. This is Jim with Virginia Beach, Virginia. Just one quick thing that uh, Bud Light makes the new Coke look like a good idea. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, remember when companies would get in trouble because they just made a mistake with their product? Like, you know, new Coke was just a, a bad soda. They, they, they were making soda, and they made a bad one. I remember Crystal Pepsi was pretty nasty, too. Remember that? Uh, but, you know, these mistakes these companies are making now are way outside their field of expertise. Like, it, 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 isn't, it isn't an oopsie with the recipe. It isn't like, oh, we, we ordered too many widgets and not enough gadgets. They're, they're making mistakes in territory they just don't even need to be in. And uh, yeah, I mean, new Coke doesn't look like any big deal at all. The, the, the Edsel, if you if you go back, if you go back way back to Ford coming out with a a new sub brand called Edsel, uh, it they they were a car company. They made a car decision. It was disastrous. But nobody said, "What are they doing building a car?" Right? Because that's what they did. On the JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery. Are you glad that uh, Ron DeSantis entered the race? 94% say yes, 6% say no. We'll have a new JR poll question tomorrow. We'll get started live at 4. You can find the JR poll anytime at ktsa.com. So we will be live tomorrow, and we'll have the dish in our 6 o'clock hour. Uh, and then we will be obviously off for the weekend, off Monday, back live again on Tuesday. But podcasts of the show always available at KTSA.com on the on-demand menu. Uh, We've been uh, talking about best advice for the grads of 2023, but the key is you have to give it in exactly four words. So your best advice for the new grads in exactly four words. Kurt is going to show us how it's done right now. I go to him right as he coughs. Look at that. My timing hey, perfect or what? I apologize. That's okay. No, yeah, I'm sorry. I caught you in a call. Impeccable. 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 No, it was, yeah, I'm sorry. We're, what Please a team me. we make, you and I. Don't worry yes, about it. Yes. Yes. What uh, do you got for us? My four, my four words are, I'm here for you. So tough love is great, but sometimes yep. when you yep. the ship runs aground, you think you mm. can't rely on your parents, you yep. need to let them know that, hey, I'm here for you. It's, 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 I like it's, that. It's, 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 it's a, a sort of advice, but it's also just a reminder that, we can we can get through this. Does that make and I sense? think parents, as parents, we're really the only people in their life that that can say that and mean it. You know, their friends mm-hmm. might tell them that, but you never know. Friendships can mm-hmm. can Correct. run aground. But you, it's funny you say this, Kurt, because and I'm really glad you did because that is kind of the gist of the note that I wrote her was, awesome. Um, awesome. No, no matter what Great. you do and where you go and what choices you make and how far you may you know, wander off the path you thought you would be on or we thought you would be on, uh, absolutely, I'm here for you. And I, I'm, I think that's really good advice. And so we're thinking along the same lines there. Kurt, thank you. Uh, let's see, Robert, with four words of advice. What is it, Robert? What's happening? Yeah, um, actually, sitting on hold, I thought of another one. Always have <laughs> batteries charged. <laughs> That okay. is, boy, that is timely, right, with the, way, the direction we're going in. Always yeah. have batteries charged. Plus, that could be kind of like um, literal and figurative, right? 
Exactly. Um, yes. The, the one that I have, um, I have two actually, but it's like the same thing. Uh, do the right thing, you know, mm-hmm. and you can always say, always do what's right, you know, yep. and that helps. And uh, the other one is real quick. It's uh, uh, always remember life's short and then turn mm. it around, you know, it's, 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 it's the same thing, you know. Those are all good. You know, you're, don't you're, a font, you're a font of forward advice, Robert. You're a good man. Thank you, sir. Thank you for all of – thanks to everybody that called on these. These were all phenomenal and deep, and I feel like I need to write another note now. <laughs> now I don't like my note as well. But I'm only one man, right? I, I, you can't have the collective wisdom of all these people in one note. But uh, very good job. Four words of advice for new grads. If you didn't get through, you can always go to the Jack Chat line. And hit me up there and make a quick uh, contribution, 210-599-5550. First name, city or town, and your comment, your four words of advice for grads. You see the story in the news about this guy? This is a true story. A guy is in jail in Louisville because he shot his roommate. It's a 64-year-old man. He shot his roommate because his roommate ate their last Hot Pocket, or so he says. And, you know, everybody's making jokes about Hot Pockets. These guys had a whole big fight. They were throwing things at each other and wrestling around, and then he shot his, he shot his roommate in the buttocks. I, I'm more worried about the, the detective assigned to this case. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you talk about having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Whoever that is, our thoughts are with him or her. See you back here live at 4 tomorrow.